0: Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. The Lord gave me some direction tonight during worship on uh, s- some some additional information on a, a series. That I've uh, preached—it's uh, actually not a series; it's just—it's just a message that I've preached a few times, and uh, I'll get into that in a minute. I got some more direction on that, and uh, I want to—I want to talk for just a minute. Go over with me to John chapter four, John the fourth chapter. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory! I want to uh, before I before we read this scripture in the fourth chapter of John, I want to talk about the fact that and remind all of us about the fact that the Lord has instructed us and given us revelation concerning revival, and part of our Uh, you know, our, the, the vision of our church is that we will, we will be ministers and witnesses of the things which we've seen and the things he will yet, uh, reveal to us. He has revealed some things in recent years about revival and, uh, he's called us to first of all, pray, pray about revival and, uh, to be, uh, an influence to others, to be, uh, a church and, and, uh, uh, me as a minister to, to be uh, a voice spreading revival and the, the awareness of revival. And, uh, you know, the Lord, when the Lord first dealt with us about it uh, in 2013, the Lord, uh, you know, you've heard me uh, recite that, uh, read that uh, prophecy, that word of wisdom that the Lord gave us. And then he said that uh, there was coming an awakening and, and a visitation to America and uh, you know that's revival and then in 2015 the Lord gave me a message about uh, uh, seven scriptural reasons why I expect a great end time revival that was in January the Lord gave me that message I preached it in California for the first time and uh, shortly after that in December or after that January followed by February isn't it not December In February of that year, uh, revival broke out here in our church. And uh, one of the things the Lord said to us in 2013 about the coming visitation, he said that uh, churches would uh, be filled again. And when we talk about revival, you know, I've preached on revival. I've preached from Acts chapter 13 that uh, up until the, the return of the Lord, there will be seasons of revival, times of refreshing and times of revival. Now, we know this, and it's been said, that anybody can experience revival at any time. And so it's not something that you that you have to have God to move, especially for you to be in revival. And... Uh, Uh, but we also know that there are moves and revivals that God sends that he has to have our cooperation on, but they're more than just a personal revival. There is revival that sweeps the church. And if you know anything at all about church history, you know, there have been times of great revival and, uh, when 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 God begins to to move in a in a mighty way in revival, uh, things are accelerated, and God does some work. He doesn't do it without us, but He uses us to pray and to make supplications so that He can move in a stronger way than He's moved in the past. And uh, like I said, one of those. Uh, the components or one of the identifiers of, of, of this visitation is that churches of places of worship, houses of, of worship like ours would be filled with people. And I remember days like that. And you know you look at in, in our own church, uh, a good portion of our congregation never comes to a Sunday night service. I'm not I'm not being critical. this is not that's not what this is about. I just want you to 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 look around and observe that. When revival comes, those people will be here. The, I remember the times where we stood in line. I talked to you not too long ago about that we would stand in line. we would leave the service on Sunday morning, go outside and get in line immediately so that we'd be able to get in the door and get up close somewhere close to the front for the evening service. And, I mean, not in our church, but I remember that in other places. That kind of hunger, that kind of anticipation. Well, that's coming to the church again. Now, how many of you would agree, you can be in revival, I can be in revival, we can be filled with the Spirit, but that doesn't mean that fills the house up. There is a move of God. How how many of you would agree that if that started happening, that would would signal a a real move of God? There are some things God does. Now, on the one hand, you could take take the critical approach and you could say, well, you know, we're supposed to go out and fill up the house of God. We're not supposed to just sit around and wait on God to fill up. We're supposed to go fill up. Well, that's true. Jesus said, go out into the highways and the byways and compel them to come in. We're supposed to be doing that. We're, we're all supposed to be doing that. It's not just the preacher. Everybody's supposed to be doing that. And, and so that, that, is, that is one way. But I'm telling you, there is, there is a move of God that is far beyond human effort. And God, when God begins to move in revival, it's not a matter of going out and just trying to convince people, would you please come to church if we're giving away a bicycle, you know, or giving away a scooter or something, you know, or an iPad, trying to get people to come, trying to convince them, please come to my church. I mean, people will be standing in line. That's a different thing altogether. Those days are coming. They're coming. They're coming. And like I said, there there are people in our church, God love them, we love them. You know, we're friends. We don't mean this critical in in any way. But a lot of people, they never come to church on Sunday night or Wednesday night. They're just Sunday morning people. There's coming a time when those people are gonna be so hungry and and that people that aren't coming to church at all, that don't go to church at all, will be going to church. The people who... Uh, have been going to church but just aren't that, uh, you know, really interested. They're not as interested as, as we are because if they were, they'd be here. I mean, that's just, that's not being critical. That's just a fact. That's just where people are. And and I learned a long time ago as a pastor not to browbeat people. That's just, you know, if that's where they are, I'm gonna do my best to preach and minister and and uh, trust God that, that people catch hold and get on fire for God. But I know some of them aren't. And and there's no need, no need me to make them feel bad. I mean, I I don't want them to cop, stop coming on Sunday morning. You know, I don't want to offend them. You know, at least they're coming on Sunday morning. Praise God, and and they're getting something. But I'm telling you, there's a move of God coming. There's a move of God coming. And and the neat thing about it, the the Lord mentioned this to me. Go with me to uh, to to the twenty second chapter of Luke. I had to look this up in. Uh, Right right after the service started and I had looked up on Angela's iPad. In the twenty second chapter of Luke. Hallelujah. Hmm. Maybe this isn't it. This is not it. There, there's a scripture and, and, and I, I looked this one up and then I, I found what I was looking for someplace else and, and I'm trying to remember where it was. But anyway, what it said Jesus, Matthew 19 <laughs> Matthew 19. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. Peter in in verse 27 Peter answered and said to him, Lord uh, we've left all and followed you therefore what will we have Jesus said to them assuredly I say to you that in the regeneration when the Son of man sits on the throne of his glory you who have followed me will also sit on my will sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel and this isn't it either. But it, but one place, you can look it up. <laughs> one place, Jesus said, you who have been with me in my trials, you will, be, you will sit on, the 12, on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. But he made that statement. He said, you who have been with me in my trials. Listen, the time is coming where a whole lot of people are gonna get caught up in this revival. But I absolutely believe this with all my heart, that those of us, who have contended for this and prayed, there's gonna be a level of blessing that's gonna be bestowed upon us that it's going to be more rewarding than we can imagine. I tell you what, God rewards faithfulness. And a lot of people will be swept in and God will blessing, but I'm gonna tell you what, those of you that have been faithful all these years, there's gonna be a glory on the inside of you when those days come, oh, my, 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 my. God, God, God rewards faithfulness. Amen. He told, he told the 12 disciples, if you've been with me doing, during all of this, when the day comes, you're going to have a special place. I believe all of us are going to have a special place. I know God, you know, we're all family. I understand that. But I tell you what, there's, there's some blessing reserved for people who are faithful. Amen. Amen. And, uh, and so, you know, that, that time is coming. Amen. Now, go to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. In verse 23, Jesus said, The hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. One of the points that I have in in, uh, a message the Lord gave me about uh, characteristics of revival one of the points was, the, what, what, I think the, the title of the message is, What Does Revival Look Like in a Person's Life? And one of my points was worship, true worship. People who are on fire with, for God are worshipers. And, uh, but, I, but the Lord showed me something here uh, tonight that I want to expound on, and, I, and I'll expound on it more and add it to my teaching. The hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Notice the Father is seeking people to worship him in spirit and in truth. Says the Father is seeking such, such what? Such worshipers. The Father is seeking these kinds of worshipers. What kind? Those who worship in spirit and in truth. God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. There is a a higher place in worship. You know, we, we sing about the fact that God is calling us higher. Well, he's calling us higher in worship. Amen. There's a higher place in worship that will be a very important part of this end-time revival. It'll be spirit-led, spirit-anointed, Holy Ghost worship. Amen. Now, what I want to to talk to you about uh, concerning that is go with me over to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians 14. Verse 15 says... What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding. Now there is no singing uh, encouraged in the Bible other than singing to the Lord. You don't see the new the new old or new testament talking. In, in in an affirming way of any other kind of singing. Now I know there's all kinds of singing. I know people sing jingles and on the commercials, and you know if you listen to things that get in your head, and then there's secular music, you know, and 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 so forth. But the Bible doesn't ref, the Bible doesn't mention anything about that when it comes. To, the only singing in the Bible is singing to the Lord. So this is talking about singing in praise and worship, isn't it? What is the conclusion? I will pray with the spirit, and I will pray with the understanding. Well, what is praying with the spirit and praying with the understanding? Praying with the spirit is praying in other tongues. Praying with the understanding, in 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 uh, in the context of these verses, praying with the understanding would be praying with your natural language and your natural, uh, you know, for us it would be English. Praying out of your mind—that's uh, praying with the understanding praying with the spirit in this context is praying in other tongues. Now there is an element of praying in the spirit where you pray in your natural language but it's by inspiration. It it comes by the spirit of prophecy and you begin to pray with with words that you understand but they're actually coming from the spirit. So that's a that's a, a another way of of praying in the spirit. It's not it's it's in your natural language but it's not natural. It's not coming from your natural understanding. Amen. So praying with the Spirit includes praying in other tongues or praying uh, uh, by the Spirit of prophecy. I will also sing with the Spirit and sing with the understanding. Now, both kinds of praying are biblical. Praying with the understanding is biblical. It's scriptural. We're instructed to pray with our understanding. But we're also instructed to pray with, pray with the Spirit. Amen. Well, singing with our understanding is is scriptural and we're instructed to do it. But we're also instructed to sing with the Spirit. I will sing with the Spirit and I will sing with the understanding. Now, again, singing with the Spirit can be in two forms. Singing with the Spirit can be singing in other tongues. Or singing with the Spirit can be singing with the Spirit of prophecy where the Spirit inspires you to sing in your natural language, which for us would be English, but it's still not singing out of your understanding because it's not coming from the natural, it's coming from the spiritual. So just like prayer uh, in the Spirit, singing in the Spirit has two different components as well, two different ways you can sing in the Spirit. But um, Jesus said the time is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth he said the the time for the uh, of the past uh, and, and the way people worshiped in the past he said that's that's changing the time is coming and it's and it now is what he was saying is we're on the threshold of it it's really worshiping in spirit and and in truth is really available to only available to people who are born again And filled with the Holy Spirit. Because you can't worship with the Spirit without the the utterance and unction of the Holy Spirit. That's what praying in tongues and praying in the Spirit. You can't pray in the Spirit unless you've been filled with the Spirit. Well, you can't sing with the Spirit unless you've been filled with the Spirit. So when Jesus said the day is coming and now is, what he was saying is I'm signaling, signaling. And, and, and this was in Jesus' ministry. You know, his ministry is only three and a half years long. And so he was right on the, we're, he, he was telling this woman this day that we're right on the threshold. The time is coming and we're, and we're right there where the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth. So really worshiping in the spirit Worshiping in, in spirit and in truth is something that belongs to the church. It belongs to all the church. It doesn't just belong to any particular era of church history. It belongs to the whole church, period. The whole church age. Isn't that right? But we know most people don't know anything about it. So before Jesus returns, there has to be a resurgence of worshiping in the spirit. Worshipping in spirit and in truth, well, this is one of the of the of the uh marks of revival, and one of the marks of of this end time revival is the church will return to worshipping in spirit and in truth, not just singing or worshiping with the understanding but worshiping and singing with the spirit. Amen, glory to god now i uh when I first got back into fellowship with the Lord in the in the uh, mid 70s early early to mid 70s the uh, charismatic uh, revival was underway and it was a it was a tremendous uh, revival i mean just a, an awesome move of God and we would go and i had never experienced this in Pentecostal growing up in a Pentecostal church but we would go to some of these charismatic mo- uh, meetings around town and and then when, whenever we started going to camp meetings, you know, and Brother Hagan's meetings and then went to Rhema and some of the back in those days, that, that charismatic re, re, revival lasted up till about the mid-80s. It started waning in the early 80s and by the late 80s, it was pretty much over. But uh, Brother Hagan's ministry and and the Word of Faith movement sort of uh, the charismatic the big charismatic revival that was much listen the charismatic revival was much larger than the word of faith much more uh, had just just millions of people all over the world as much larger but out of the out of the uh uh what's the word i'm looking for out of the atmosphere of the milieu is that right out of the out of that environment came the word of faith movement because Brother Hagen was was a very, uh, he was a featured speaker in the charismatic movement. He was always at full gospel businessmen, you know, meetings, preaching, and and different charismatic conferences. They'd have him in, and he would teach and 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 operate as a prophet. And so that's where his ministry really took took off nationally. And then that the word of faith movement came. But I remember those days, even in Jacksonville, when I was just just first back in the fellowship of the Lord, got filled with the Spirit. We'd go to these meetings and. Uh, there'd be, you know, a thousand people in attendance. And we would just sing in the spirit for 30 minutes or an hour, just sing in the spirit. And, and I remember some of the early days then when I went to Ramah and the few years after that, uh, that was still going on in the charismatic movement. Well, when the charismatic movement waned, when, it, when that revival died out, that was lost said that the degree of singing within the spirit was lost. It, it did not, by and large, it did not continue in the word of faith camp. And we need to get back to that because we've lost something very, very precious. Jesus said the true worshipers will not just worship with their understanding, they'll worship in the spirit. They'll worship in spirit and in truth. Amen. And uh, here he says he has to be talking about worship because there's the, because like I said the, the Bible doesn't uh, in, encourage any other kind of singing. Not saying it's wrong, I'm just saying the Bible doesn't encourage it. So if it's talking about singing in verse fifteen, it's talking about praise and worship. He said, "I will also sing with the spirit, and I will I will sing with the spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. We have to have both of those in order to be a." Uh, following the New Testament pattern, we have to have singing with the understanding and singing with the Spirit. Now, uh, it's been, for for people who who weren't acquainted with singing with the Spirit back then, uh, it's been a little difficult to get into it and, and to make that trend. You know, spiritual things sometimes are not the easiest thing to step into you know, because you don't know how to step into you have to you have to learn spiritual things, and so I've I've noticed that there's been a real uh, uh, difficulty for people who weren't experienced in singing in the spirit in these days to get back into that, and and one of the things that uh, hinders a lot of times is is, there, is our music when when we're praising God like and worshiping the Lord like we were tonight. When Brother Steve starts starts leading us in singing in the spirit, we can do it two different ways, and one is better than the other. Both will both are good, but one is far better. The musicians, we're singing a song. Get, get, give me this. What song were we singing last? We give, we give you glory. Is that it? We give. So that was that was the tune. And that was what the musicians were playing. They were playing that song. They were not playing in the spirit. They were playing with the understanding. Now, you understand what I'm saying? In other words, that was a song that they sat down at, at some point in time and learned the chords, practiced it, and they, weren't, it was, they didn't get it by inspiration. They got it by natural means. So in in a sense they they've got it by it's in it's natural it's in with their and we were singing it that way, not by inspiration we were singing it because we sang it just exactly like we've sung it for twenty five years, so we sang it you know with the understanding. When we start singing, when when Brother Steve switches over and begins to lead us in singing with the Spirit, if the musicians continue to play. And use those same chords. All of our musicians play by chords. Almost almost none of our musicians, or I guess none of them, actually play a melody line. Uh, They actually just chord. Well, when Brother Stephen, when Brother Steve starts leading us in singing with the Spirit, and the musicians are still playing those chords, we're going to start singing in the Spirit to the same tune we were singing. But we were singing that tune wasn't in the spirit. That tune was in the natural. Are you following me? The tune we were singing was a natural tune that didn't come by inspiration. It wasn't those, that, that tune wasn't given by the spirit. We were playing that and they practiced it before church. Well, by continuing to play those chords, then when we begin to sing in the spirit, we start singing in the spirit with that tune and it's a bit of a mixture. It's somewhat in the spirit, but it's somewhat in the natural. It's still tied to the natural realm. Are you following me? And so what I've done a couple of times is I've, I've tried to signal to the... Now, now, let me back up and say this. When we do that, that's an okay way to sing in the spirit. It's not that it's bad and it's not that God doesn't bless it. And we've had some good times where we sing with the, you know, with our understanding, and then with that same tune, we begin to sing in other tongues, playing that same tune, and that's okay. But I'm telling you from experience, there is a higher dimension of singing in the spirit, and it's cutting free, cutting loose from the natural altogether. And being starting to sing with the tune that comes up from the inside of you, the problem is you can 't do that if the musicians are still playing that i 've tried it it can 't be done. The musicians are still playing that tune. you cannot escape it. it fills the house you 've been singing it for twenty minutes and if you and if they continue to play that, you will sing that tune while you 're singing in other tongues and it 'll it 'll limit. You, how far you can go in the spirit. There's a limit. It's good, but it's not best. So, I've a couple of times I've signaled to the people on the keyboard when Brother Steve started singing in the spirit, <clears throat> I've signaled to him, stop, stop playing. And then I do something like this. You know, the first time I did it was Brother Mike. I said, he was playing, Michael was playing, and I said, stop, cut it off. You know, so he stopped, was playing the keyboard. And after a moment, I said, I made these motions. Listen in here. <laughs> Don't not listen. Not listen. I'm not I didn't say listen to Steve and try to pick up the tune he was singing. That wasn't the point. Stop playing. Listen down here and begin to play chords that you're inspired to play. See the difference? If the musicians will do that, it will enable the church to go to a higher dimension because we're talking about moving up higher. God wants to move us higher. He wants us to move us further. This is, this is part of it. Learning how to flow with the spirit in worship in a higher dimension. If we'll cut our ties to the natural, God will take us into a, a realm of glory. And, I, and I've been there. I've been in services where I, I took a, a, a man with me one time when we were in, in Tulsa. We were attending Bible school. An old friend of mine had moved to Oklahoma City with his parents and he was basically backslidden. He, he, he and I grew up in church together. But he was basically backslidden. He came over and visited us one weekend in Tulsa. And on Sunday, we took him to church. And that Sunday morning... Uh, this was in 1980. The church began to sing in other tongues, began to sing in the spirit, and the musicians were were trained this way because back then this is this was very common. People understood it. People don't understand it much today, but everybody understood it. The musicians just went with the flow. They weren't playing the the the, the same tune they'd been singing. You know, we'd been singing before. They just were playing chords as the spirit gave them. Uh, the the inspiration to do it. You know, the Bible talks about, you look it up. The Bible talks about prophesying with musical instruments. You look it up, it's there. Prophesying with musical instruments. Well, what in the world is that? That just means playing by inspiration. What is prophecy? It's speaking by, insp- by the inspiration of the Spirit. Well, they, the, the musicians, would they had learned to play by inspiration. And that Sunday morning, we were we were in there. And now, this particular man that was with me was an old friend of mine. was a very uh, talented musician, very uh, uh, highly educated. Put it that way, he was highly educated in music, and his ear was 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 he had a wonderful ear, and and he had never experienced that before. And he said, Edwin, he said, I'm sitting. And we talked about it after church. He said, I'm. I was listening. He said, "There, I heard chords and the formation of of musical chords and and uh, things coming together over that congregation." He said, "I never heard anything like that in my life." He said, "You couldn't write something like that." He said, "And and it fit. The chords blended and and flowed with one another. He said, and there was there was a there was a." A certain spiritual harmonics in the room it 's the only way I can describe it a spiritual harmonics that was that was being offered up and I tell you what it's it 's heavenly it 's glorious the, but this last day revival we 're going to return to that we 're going to return to that we have to return to that, and we are going to return to it i 've been in, when when our church was very young, we started in one thousand nine hundred and eighty Charismatic Revival will still go. We used to sing like that back in those days. And I remember, now I never heard it myself, but I had several, not one or two, but even more than that, several people that I trusted them, that they weren't flaky. They told me on, on Sundays, we would, get, we would begin to sing in the Spirit that way. And when, when you sing with the Spirit... You, you, you sing by the utterance of the Spirit, but you also let the Holy Spirit direct your harmony or your, or, or your melody or what, I guess your melody. You sing as you're inspired to. I had several people on different occasions over a, over a two or three year period say at different times, when we were singing Sunday morning, it was like there was this, this sound in the church and then right above it, Just above our ears, it sounded like a heavenly choir. they, They believed it was angels. They said it was like the sound of a heavenly choir above us mixing in with us. We need to return to praying, praising, and worshiping in the spirit. Amen. But it's going to take some training. It's going to take some some uh, uh, practice, if you want to put it that way. It's going to take some some uh, experimenting, if you want to say it that way. Uh, amen. Because the Lord wants to take us into higher places in worship than what we uh, are normally experiencing around here.